Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's Fizz Radio here on the Score 1260. Ian Unsworth and John Eads going to be with you up until the 10 o'clock hour. John is now my new permanent co-host, taking over for Gil Gross, who's on to uh, Greener Pastures. He wrote his farewell article a few days ago. And, John, we got a lot to get into today, some transfer news on the basketball and maybe on the football front. On the football front, the NFL draft's coming up in less than a week. And the five-star review talking about some incoming prospects that Syracuse is in the mix for. But first and foremost, John, let's talk big Bobby Braz. He's out to Charlotte. That's right. Little, uh, you know, Ian, if you would have, you know, told me to pick the three to five most possible landing destinations for Robert Braswell, Charlotte would have been nowhere near my list. But, uh, you know, it's a place where he can go in and, you know, potentially get some minutes early on and play there for the 49ers. I mean, in terms of optics, right? Braswell considered transferring last year and he kind of pump faked us and came back to Syracuse, and I couldn't see him coming back to the Hill a second time. Going to Charlotte, it's closer to his hometown of South, Blythewood, South Carolina. It's about an hour away, I think. Uh, our colleague Brad Klein wrote a piece about this up on the site, orangefizz.net. You can also find all of our stuff at Orange Fizz on Twitter. He said that it's closer to home, and it also offers Braswell a chance at a bigger role which honestly isn't something he would have gotten at Syracuse next year. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yes and no, actually. I I thought he was going to step in and have a pretty big role next year. I know Benny Williams, five-star true freshman on the way in, but the way Braswell played down the stretch, especially in March when really it matters most, that's where you earn your clout. You know what I mean? The guys that make plays in March are the guys that become household names. So I was actually really impressed with what Braswell did, and I thought he was going to come back, train, get stronger, get better, come back next year, and potentially start for this team at the three or at the four, Ian. So, you know, we go back a couple weeks ago. I was kind of thrown off by the Braswell decision to transfer, but again, I wish the guy the best. I think he has a bright future ahead at Charlotte. And it's actually a school that's brought in a couple of transfers, including uh, Clyde, uh, Clyde Trapp, that is, from Clemson, a guy that we're pretty familiar with here. So, Braswell not having a larger role, what do you think that sort of leans itself towards? Because there are, I would say, people who saw Braswell in Bayheim's doghouse from day one, right? He couldn't find his way on the floor last year. Well, actually, make that two years ago now, but he could not secure any sort of playing time two years ago. And this year, he only really got going at the end of the year, once he saw consistent playing time, established himself on the defensive end of the ball, and he only shot 36% from the field. I mean, other than that one game against Pitt where he came out, hit those four threes, and everybody was shocked, We, I don't think we saw the best of Robert Braswell in his time in a Syracuse uniform. Agreed. We never really saw him take off. You know, and that's what I think we were going to get to see next year. Braswell got to step up because Alan Griffin struggled. I mean, he did, the guy didn't do anything spectacular, Ian, but he came in and he gave you consistent minutes. He gave you consistent ball. He was a guy that Coach Beheim and Syracuse fans had confidence in. 
when he was on the floor. They were confident that he could get a rebound defensively. They were confident he wouldn't turn the ball over. And heck, they were confident he could hit a three-point shot when it mattered most. So, you know, we didn't really get to see the best of Braswell. Like you said, the guy really didn't do anything that special. But what he brought to this team is something that they didn't have, especially when Alan Griffin was on the floor once the calendar turned to March. But Alan Griffin wasn't going to be on the floor this year. Well, of the upcoming year, I guess. It, we're in a sort of like this hanging state where we don't know who's on the team, who's not on the team. We're still waiting for a 2021 roster to be solidified. So you can't really call it like the 2021 season yet because it feels like we're still dealing with this hangover transfer effect from 2020. But in terms of the Braswell thing and reaching his full potential, he was never allowed to handle the ball. Right, And I've said many a time that Robert Braswell putting the ball on the floor is a bad scene for Syracuse. So the idea that he'll get a bigger role at Charlotte is certainly true. He's going to have more playing time and have more time with the ball. But there's got to be a lot of development for him to really warrant you know, that consideration. John, I wrote an article uh, today, actually, make that Thursday, about orange players in the NBA. And Jeremy Grant is one who he went from Denver to Detroit and he's blossomed into a most improved player candidate scoring 20 plus points a game. But it's because Jeremy Grant really has a complete offensive skill set. He can shoot from behind the arc. He's really good in like the mid-range and he can put the ball on the floor. Braswell just can't do much besides shoot a spot up three. Yeah. And I don't know how good he's going to be in man-to-man defense either, Ian. So there's definitely some question marks surrounding the Florida native. And maybe that's why he's at Charlotte instead of an upper echelon kind of school. The question marks. He can't you know, put the ball on the deck. He can't really create his own shot. I mean, we saw once he gets the ball in his shooting pocket, he could stroke it from anywhere on the floor. But there's a lot of guys that could do that. And I'm not sure coaches want to spend an entire scholarship a limited scholarship, that is. We're talking basketball here on a guy that can just catch the ball and shoot threes. I mean, Duncan Robinson made a career out of it for himself, but he could also do other things with the ball as well. He was a pretty good defender. He could put the ball on the deck. This is Duncan Robinson on the Miami Heat, in case you didn't know, former Michigan player. So, yeah, going back to Braswell, there's just, I think, a couple question marks he's going to have to figure out and work at when he's a 49er. Now, you know, comparing him to Jeremy Grant's a little interesting because he's no Jeremy Grant. He'll never be a Jeremy Grant, but I think he could find some... You know, key minutes, some good production there in Charlotte. But like you said, he's got to work on a couple things if he wants to potentially blossom into a pro prospect. I just mentioned that Jeremy Grant because it's the taking the offensive step forward, becoming a major option. That's that's the sort of the comparison I was going for. I don't think Robert Braswell plays a game in the NBA. Let's just make that clear. In terms of transfers, there was another big one, and it might not have been talked about on last week's Fizz Radio because it didn't affect officially happen until April 16th, and that's Jimmy Bayheim coming to Syracuse. The Bayheim triumvirate is now complete with Jimmy coming from Cornell, joining Buddy and his dad, Jim. So, John, I'm excited about Jimmy Bayheim, but at the same time, I think we have to pump the brakes a little bit because he's a one-year contributor, right? One-year contributor and as much as I think the the media frenzy and just the optics of it all is beautiful, I don't know if he should start. I'm going to be honest. I don't think Jimmy Bayheim should start for Syracuse. I don't know if you're going to have a choice in the matter, Ian, because at the end of the day, I mean, 
Beheim is the coach, right? And I'm not sure how much that plays into his decision-making. Obviously, Buddy Beheim was deserving of a starting spot once the time finally came. But, yeah, I don't know. There, just like we talk about Braswell, there's some question marks going along with Jimmy Beheim as well. And we released an article on the website. We got a lot of, I guess, mixed reactions, we'll say, from Fizz Nation in terms of, hey, this is a good pickup, and, hey, this guy played in the Ivy League. This is big time. This is the ACC. We don't know what he's got. I guess we're going to find out. But, yeah, I, I'd agree with you. Um, in the onset, I'm not sure that he's a guy you want to start. Uh, because, again, he's coming from the Ivy League. He hasn't run the zone defense. I mean, he's probably heard quite a bit about it at the dinner table through the years, you know. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there's some things he's going to have to learn and, you know, kind of shape up in through the summer. Who would you start instead of Jimmy Beheim? Let me ask you that. Well, the real determining factor is what is Quincy Garrier doing with his life? Because we still have heard a decision. We still haven't heard a decision from him, and he has plenty of time to make said decision. It's until June or July, I believe. So there's plenty of time left for Quincy Garrier to figure out whether he's going to the league or not. And honestly, we talked about this before, John. If Quincy Garrier goes to the league, I don't think he makes it in the first round, certainly, and he might not even get drafted. So I think it makes a lot of sense for Quincy Garrier to come back. However, if he doesn't, then I want to see Benny Williams on the floor at all times, right? I need to see Benny Williams starting at all times. This is your almost five-star, five-star, wherever you're getting your rankings from. This is your top guy you brought in, right? He's deserving of minutes from day one. He's played top competition in high school. He's trained his butt off over the past year. This guy is going to be ready to come in and make an immediate impact. He's not going to be a superstar superstar, but he is going to be a starter from day one, or at least he'll be good enough to start from day one. And then we just kind of have to feel it out between Swider and Bayheim. but I want Cole Swider starting. And it's, I don't, I would say it's because he's played more high-level Division I basketball than Jimmy Bayheim. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I'd agree, Ian. A uh, guy, you know, Cole Swider, of course, coming over from Villanova. Like you said, he has played in those big-time games. Started quite a few a couple seasons ago, and then that kind of went away with injuries and other star players coming in. But he's a guy that's been on the big stage. He's been under the bright lights. He has the raw physical, uh, you know, abilities to step in and play the zone defense. He can stroke it from three. He can kind of do a lot of the things that Jimmy Beheim can do. I don't know about how much Cole Swider can put the ball in the deck and, you know, kind of get to the rack like we've seen Beheim do. He lit up Syracuse a couple of years ago for 25 in the Carrier Dome. But I'd say I'm a little more confident in what Swider could do at the at the four than what Jimmy Beheim could do at this point, If you know, if you were to ask me in April here. I don't think Jim Beheim's going to come out and name a starter right away, but if we'd have to decide the starting spot, I think it comes down to the defensive end. Like you said earlier, neither of these guys have played the zone before, although Beheim's probably heard a lot about it at the dinner table, and Cole Swider probably educated on educated himself on the zone because he chose to come to Syracuse, and he's from the Northeast originally, so he probably grew up watching some SU hoops. But it's going to come down to defense. I've heard things that Cole, Cole Swider can't guard a, you know, can't guard a centipede and we don't really know about Jimmy Bayheim and what he's bringing on the defensive end because he wasn't exactly guarding, you know, top top tier guys, power 5 guys at Cornell. So whoever wins that battle on the defensive end 
or who plays better in the zone will win that starting job. I think that works better for Syracuse because, I don't know, tell me if you agree with this, but I thought the offense carried the team last year. I mean, it was a, it was a unit yes, that was... Yes, totally. Okay, it was a unit that was at most times one of the best in the ACC, but what they benefited from offensively, I think, took away defensively. I think this is a team, when they're good... Especially under the zone, you go back, you know, five, six, seven years, the last couple Final Four teams, they were good defensively. You know, they were set. And then offensively, you, you did just enough to win. You know what I mean? You, you pressed, you hit threes, you, th you played three, and you deed up. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I think looking for defense in a player, whoever gives you the best chance to win defensively is the way to go. And, of course, we know Jimmy Beheim and Cole Swider both have some pretty good, you know, tools in their offensive arsenal they can exploit as well. I would think that this team is not built to play defense. I'm just going to be honest. Like, Kadari Richmond was the best defensive player on the team last year, and he's gone now. So I might throw defense out the window and just say, screw it, who's going to help me get to 75, 80 first? But at the end of the day, I would think both Bayheim and Swider are capable on the offensive end. I would say their abilities are probably comparable. So whoever can play decent defense is coming out on top. Speaking of defense... Uh, we're going to do a little transition here to football because Syracuse has three defensive backs on the docket in the NFL draft, and I think a lot of those guys are going to go high up in the order. And then also, who replaces Andre Sisco, Trill Williams, and Ify Melifonwu? We'll talk about it after the break here on Fizz Radio. We're back here on Fizz Radio, Ian Unsworth and John Eads with you until 10 o'clock. And John, I said before the break we were going to talk about the NFL draft, about Trill Williams, Andre Sisco, and Ify Melifonwu, all with the opportunity next Thursday to make their pro dreams come true. And I think they're all going to get drafted. This is a elite crop of defensive backs. When was the last time you've seen three guys from one school? They can go, you know, top three, top four rounds. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely happened recently. If I had to pick a school right now, gun to my head, probably one of the Blue Bloods, obviously. I'd probably go Ohio State, honestly. Um, but, yeah, no, it's incredible, especially for Syracuse, a place that doesn't really get NFL-projected talent, if you will, out of high school. They usually get three stars, lower-rated recruits. they got to develop them. But the other thing with that is they can play early on, and that's what you saw with Andre Sisco, Ify Melifamu, and True Williams. All had big impacts as underclassmen, as young guys, and it's coming to fruition here as they're on their way out from Syracuse and it hopefully to play on Sundays in the NFL. So in terms of, like, projections, we're not, we're not big NFL draft guys. We're just going to put that out there right now. We're not going to sit here and pretend to be experts. But in terms of projections... For Trill, I'm thinking like round four, round three, somewhere like day two, maybe day three. But for the other two guys, I think they could go late first, early second round. Definitely, definitely they are, I would say, on most teams' top ten in terms of defensive back prospects. I'm going to start with Trill because you did. I, I see Trill as a day three pick, Ian, and I think he could slide up potentially into day two, but I see him as a round five to seven guy, and that's not bad. 
you know, I think whatever roster he makes, he's, he's a guy that works really hard, and I think he has every opportunity to earn a rookie contract and find his way onto a roster. As for Ify Malafamu, I think he is a day-two pick, rounds three or four. I don't know about two. He had impressive combine numbers. I'll let you get into that, but... Um, I think you know there's a couple things you got to be concerned about with him. He's got some good height. He's got the intangibles. He has the raw athleticism. But you know teams aren't super high on him. I haven't heard a ton of buzz. I see him being round uh, between round three and four. And as for Andre Cisco, I'm staring at a mock draft here, courtesy of CBS Sports. And New York people are going to be New York fans are going to be pretty excited about this one. They have Andre Cisco Ian going 42nd to the New York Giants. How about that? Uh, that's a really solid spot for him, teaming up with a uh, former Michigan man, Jabril Peppers, and as a, that's a nice safety tandem, ball hawking safety tandem to say the least. I'm surprised that no none of those guys are falling into the first round. I mean, even like I've heard Iffy in the second round, early second round, just because of that that combine rise, that se- that great Senior Bowl. He was the best cornerback at the Senior Bowl from all reports from all the, the tape that we watched that we could get our hands on, Ify Melifonwu was locking dudes up at the Senior Bowl. And then he goes to his pro day, weighs in 205 pounds, he's 6'2", wingspan is 78 and a half inches, and then he runs a 4'4840", has a 41 and a half inch vertical jump. And the stats might not jump out at you, but... Those combine numbers, those that's film from the Senior Bowl, that's enough to move guys up. We see it every single year, right? There's that late bloomer, that late riser that a team takes a chance on because their athleticism, their potential is through the roof. And I know we haven't really looked at Melifonwu over the past couple of years as, oh, this is a guy that has you know, the sky's the limit. His potential's crazy. Because he seemed so polished, so established already at the corner spot for Dino Babers and for Tony White. But this is a guy that NFL teams love because of his measurables, not necessarily because of his stats. Yeah, agreed. He has the athleticism. He's also 6'2". He's got that big wingspan, like you said. So really, he's kind of the complete package. Now, players can have all the intangibles, all the physical traits they want. But can they play the game? Can they understand and play within a defense? And I think he can. He played in two different systems, let's not forget. He played in a 4-2-5, and he played in a 3-3-5 this past year. So he learned a couple different base schemes. They said last year they were running a lot of cover three instead of cover two. And, of course, we know he can lock up a man-to-man coverage. Ian, I can't really tell you. I can't remember a time the last time that uh, he got burned playing corner for Syracuse. I think he's just going to be such a solid player. And, you know, we talk about DK Metcalf, bigger wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, this is a guy, if you know, that can bang heads with them and keep up, I think, just based on his, uh, you know, his his physical traits and his athleticism. I mean, being 6'2 is, is a really big benefit because those NFL receivers are all massive. Like, these guys are 6'3", 6'4", 6'5". Like, look at DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. Those guys are physical freaks, but that's what you're going up against in the NFL. This is the best of the best. This is the 1% of the 1%. You need something special to to allow you to compete with those guys. And for Iffy, it's his size. I believe he's going to be, if once he gets drafted, he'll be one of, I want to say, four or five corners that's over six feet in the NFL. So... Whatever team throws him out there, not saying he's going to be a lockdown number one cover guy, but when you get to the end zone, 
and teams want to throw that one-on-one fade in the corner, you have a guy that you can put in the corner in Ify Melifonwu to contend for that jump ball. Or you have a guy that you can throw on a, a George Kittle or a Rob Gronkowski over the middle of the field and really present some matchup problems with his size. And you see year after year, teams taking corners super high in the draft, and they just don't really have good rookie seasons. I mean, take a look at Jeff Okuda at Detroit. They spent the third pick on him last year. He's kind of a smaller guy. Good coverage player, pretty smart, very athletic, but he's small. You know, he needs time to kind of get used to the game, get acclimated with what playing in the NFL is like. And I think Ify Malafamu's transition will be seamless just because he has the size and, of course, he has the mental capacity of the game as well to go along with it. So really, you know, I think round two is a good spot for him. I think whoever gets Ify Malafamu is getting a really good player, a guy that can come in and make an impact in his first season. All right, let's transition to the guy that's supposed to be the cream of the crop here in the safety position, Andre Sisco. Of course, the NCAA leader in takeaways for a defensive back. Unfortunately, season cut short with the ACL tear before the Georgia Tech game. Um, Ed Hedrick's fan club members, number one and number two, right here on the radio with you. Um, if you listen to the FizzCast back in early September, you know why. Ed Hendricks did not do anything for Syracuse besides injure Andre Sisco. Now he's in the transfer portal. But regardless, no matter how much the injury dings Cisco's draft stock, teams still have to be looking at this guy as a game changer on the defensive end. I mean, just flip on his film. From any one of his three seasons at Syracuse, the guy's a playmaker. He's always in the right place at the right time. He's always making plays, and he's a leader in that secondary, Ian. Andre Cisco is the complete package safety, and any team that drafts him is getting another guy that can come in and play right away. He doesn't need a year, a redshirt year, if you will, in the NFL to get acclimated and get ready to play in the NFL. He already has the NFL frame. He has the NFL mind. Just draft him, put him on your team, get him a jersey, put him on the field, lace him up, and let's go. The takeaways are just, I I need, if you're any NFL team, you need a guy that's a ball hawk. And most NFL teams the Giants, I mean, Jabril Peppers is kind of getting there, but still, not an elite ball hawk by any measures. You need a guy that's like a a, a peanut Tillman on Chicago on, on the Chicago Bears. He's the last guy I can really think of that had a true nose for the football in the NFL. I think Andre Sisco can be that guy, constantly there to force turnovers, cause havoc, and he played Rover. In for two games, right? But he played Rover. He can hit the line of scrimmage. He can. He will be physical. All three of these guys will be physical at the line of scrimmage and get involved in the run game as well. Another benefit for NFL teams. He can play anywhere. I mean, you talk about Jabril Peppers, a guy that played 11 different positions in some games when he was playing at Michigan in college. He's Andre Sisco, I think, can play anything defensively minus defensive line and cornerback. But anywhere else, you, you could put him at a hybrid spot at linebacker. You, heck, you could probably put him at linebacker if you want. Obviously, you put him at safety. He's just a playmaker. He's a guy that can come in, learn the defense, lead the defense, and make you some plays, get you some picks, get the ball to the offense for some scores. There you have it. We think all three Syracuse defensive backs are going to be great contributors to whatever team they end up on in the future. And, John, just quickly, before we get to break here, who do you think is replacing Cisco Williams, and Melifonwu next year in that SU defensive backfield? Well, it's going to be difficult 
And there's a reason why Syracuse went 1-10 last year, Ian. It's because Cisco and Williams didn't really play for a majority of the season. Of course, you had Melifamu basically from start to finish. But there were a lot of young guys that had to step up last year and get baptized by the fire and at a couple different positions. I guess I'll start with cornerback, and you can tell me your thoughts. I have Neil Nunn taking over for Ify Melifamu alongside Garrett Williams in the cornerback room, but also keep an eye out for incoming 3-slash-4-star cornerback Deuce Chestnut the highest-rated recruit in Syracuse's incoming. He's actually already on campus playing uh, spring ball there. Elsewhere, though, at free safety, you know, Rover, that's where Syracuse is going to have to replace production from Andre Sisco and, uh, you know, Trill Williams kind of slid around everywhere, especially in nickelback. So at Rover, I have Rob Hanna. That's a guy that came in last year, six foot 168 freshman. Uh, Last year, he's going to be a rising sophomore next year. Put up some double-digit tackle numbers in some games. I thought he looked pretty impressive. Obviously, has to bulk up a little bit over this offseason, over the spring. And then a nickelback, it's, it's kind of up in the air. I think it could be Deuce Chestnut. But it could also be a couple other guys. I slotted Amon Greenwood at free safety, who I know you're very high, you know, you think very highly of Amon Greenwood there. But what do you think about my predictions? Who do you think slides in for these guys? I'm with you with Williams and Nunn. I can't believe Garrett Williams was left off. He retweeted some list that he was left off of, of the ACC's top 10 best corners. Like Al Blades was on there. I, I pff, Regardless, whoever makes those lists is tripping. Garrett Williams is probably a top five corner in the ACC next year. And I, what I saw of Neil Nunn, I liked. I'm glad he's back on campus and everything's moving smoothly there. I think Deuce Chestnut steals some sort of spot, whether it's that dime package DB as the sixth guy or whether it's actually a starting role. He's certainly talented enough to get on the field on day one. I like Hannah at the rover spot. My only question is, is he big enough? Uh, you know, he can't play at 170 and expect to hit at the line, especially because he's tall. Um, I love Jahad Carter at the safety spot. Not a big fan of Amon Greenwood. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was not impressed with what I saw from Amon Greenwood last year, but it, it was year one, so I'll cut him some slack. But I think Jason Simmons, the transfer from New Mexico, could come in and make a bit of an impact, short of say, short of, sort of shake things up and send Greenwood maybe back to the bench. And we talk about playmakers with Cisco. Jason Simmons was a playmaker at New Mexico State. He basically played Rover there and was a starter, big-time playmaker over there. He could make tackles. He could help and run support. He was a ball hawk. He could do a lot of different things. And it's a guy that played some pretty good competition last year. I think about Alabama. You think about Liberty. So, you know, it, it couldn't hurt. That's my point here. It couldn't hurt to bring another body in. I think Simmons could surprise and maybe overtake Hannah at that rover spot. But he could also slide and play a couple different positions in that defensive backfield. But the transfer Simmons, certainly a name to keep an eye on going forward. And we'll talk some more transfers and a little bit of recruiting after the break. It's time for the Fizz 5-star review coming up halfway through the show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. I'm going to need a five-star review. Five-star ride. I'd like to share with you one of our five-star reviews. Hey, five stars. It's time for the Fizz five-star review. We're talking the latest Syracuse recruiting news, the buzz, what's out there, who can Syracuse possibly bring in this week. And, John, we were talking about the defensive side of the football right before the break, and so we found a guy that Syracuse might want to look at in the linebacking core, William Mohan, transfer from Michigan. 
Well, we talk about Jason Simmons transfer from New Mexico, Ian, and now we're talking about another potential transfer prospect. A you know this whole transfer portal thing it's kind of the new and improved 2.0 recruiting board if you will once players get into college and Mohan is a class of 2020 prospect former Michigan player played his ball at Erasmus Hall High School he's a Brooklyn native uh Brooklyn native (laughs) and uh, he was offered by Syracuse out of high school ended up going to play for Michigan playing in that Viper role which is a a hybrid of a safety linebacker was going to play for Don Brown but he's gone so now he's looking for a new home and why not come back to his original home here in New York and play for the It makes a lot of sense, especially because Syracuse has a lot of depth at the linebacker spot, but that rover position we were talking about last time is wide open. And I said, I don't know if I trust Rob Hanna to play the rover because he's big and he's tall, but he does not weigh that much. Last year, he was playing at about 168 pounds, I think was his playing weight. This guy, Mohan, is six foot. 195 and he is fast he plays fast and he plays explosive he hits violently and he loves to be around the line of scrimmage and I think you can't ask for more in a rover because that's where you're going to be a lot of the time last I checked he actually bulked up since high school those were his 247 measurables I think um, he's 6'1", 205 now, so he's, he's put on even more weight, even more mass. He could definitely slide down and sit in the box there and tackle and help out and run support. William Mohan is a playmaker. We talked about Andre Sisco earlier in the NFL draft segment. This guy is same kind of player. He can fly. You know, people question his 40 time coming out of high school. I think he ran a 4-5 at an Ohio State junior day when he was getting recruited, but his shuttle time was bar none, very impressive. This guy can move laterally very well, and he's not afraid to get his hands dirty, come up, make some tackles. I think he could be a good you know, good piece for Syracuse, as he, potentially a rover, maybe a safety. This guy could play a lot of different positions. And he in. played a lot of different positions on that high school tape that we both watched, John, because he was also on the kickoff unit, just running down the field and knocking dudes over. So this is a guy that will purely love football. He was a four-star prospect in high school. And he's playing on the kickoff unit in his junior, senior year. Dino Babers probably, if Mohan comes to Syracuse, Dino Babers will have license to put him anywhere. And for Syracuse, this would be a humongous get. You get a top-tier athlete in the class of 2020, and you get a guy that will want to go out on the football field and just play. Make impact plays wherever you put them. And honestly, Syracuse kind of needs that. They could use a little jolt on special teams or a pass rusher. Like, Mohan can really get after the passer, beating offensive linemen with quickness. I think that's maybe something Syracuse lacked last season. Of course, they had the playmakers, Jeff Canton, Arku, Michael Jones, Stephon Thompson. But they didn't really have a linebacker who you were, you know, really confident could get in, get some pressure, and maybe get some sacks. I mean, we saw Thompson, we saw we saw Steve Linton get a couple sacks last year, but you bring in William Mohan, he's so fast, he can beat you off the edge. You can scheme. I mean, we all we know we love uh, we know Tony White loves to send his schemes, send his stunts. He'll be he'll have he'll have a field day. He's got William Mohan to use at his disposal there to send on the outside, send through some gaps. William Mohan's a guy that can come in and play for Syracuse. Now, I will say maybe their chances were kind of hurt when they brought in Simmons because I think they're bringing Simmons in to do what Mohan could do in this 3-3-5. And Mohan had a lot of attractive offers coming out of high school, places like Oregon, Miami, Penn State, Pitt, 
Like this guy had the whole gamut of offers. And keep in mind, he is from the Northeast. As John said, a Brooklyn guy came up watching a lot of Syracuse football, some Big East foot, not Big East football, ACC football. When he's got an offer list as good as him, Ohio State also on there, Michigan State, right, Wisconsin, Tennessee. Like this guy is probably a bona fide recruit that a lot of coaches want. So another, this would be another big recruiting get for Dino Babers, as you know the seat ever kind of gets warm. It, it's a little, I would say. I mean, it's not warm in Syracuse, but I'd say Dino Babers' seat is slight, slightly warm. So bringing in a guy like Mohan, you know, keep the fans off of Dino's back during spring practice because we haven't heard anything from Dino besides that opening presser. And that's kind of how it should be. You're coming off the worst season in a couple decades. You should probably just kind of chill, wait till the season starts, then maybe, you know, start to make some noise there. But I said that Mohan may not come to Syracuse because of Simmons, but now that I say that, I could you could also see a situation in which Simmons slides the safety, perhaps boundary safety, strong safety. I don't think free safety, but definitely strong safety. And you bring Mohan in and slide him in at Rover. I mean, Ian, this linebacking core is one of the best in the ACC. It's not a hot take anymore. I'll continue to say it. And if you add Mohan in, it just gets even more There's a more lot special. of talent on that linebacking core already. Jones, Canton Arku, Thompson, Steve Linton, another guy we haven't mentioned yet. A lot of potential there. John, let's switch over to the basketball side of things because Syracuse on Wednesday offered Kyle Filipowski a 6'10 forward, uh, big, I mean, I wouldn't call him a center, but he's definitely a, an extremely agile power forward, you know, sort of in the Marek Dolajai role, but he's bigger. He's 6'10, 215, and he's got a really complete offensive skill set for a guy that's still a junior in high school. Ian, I would say this guy is a four and a half. Now, that's because he's a stretch four. He can shoot the three pretty well, but he also can can be a fail-safe five, especially in his own system like we saw Dolajai have to do this year because Barama Sidibe was on the bench with some injuries. But he's a guy that's very talented offensively. He can create his own shot. He can hit a three from anywhere along the perimeter, and he's also got good touch near the basket with both the right and the, the left The most hand. impressive thing that stuck out to me is his ability to put the ball on the floor. Like we saw from Marek Dolajai bringing the ball up in transition, Filipowski loves to do just that. And I'm going to continue to compare Filipowski to Marek Dolajai throughout this recruiting process and the cycle because if Syracuse brings in Filipowski, he's a four-star player uh, from Wilbraham and Monson Academy in Massachusetts. He's also got a twin brother that plays there who's got some Ivy League offers. Both of these dudes are massive human beings. But Filipowski can do a lot of things that you don't normally see a four or a five doing in high school. He brings the ball up the floor, as you said, John. He can finish with the right or the left. He's got some nice dribble moves, too. A th through the legs, behind the back, spin move. He really has a very complete offensive game, as well as a three-point shot. So, while I make this Dolajai comparison, he's already a bit more developed, in a sense. Agreed. Yeah, I think... I liked what I got. I think Syracuse fans liked what they saw and got from Marek Dolajai. Now you bring a guy in like this, like Filipowski, who's even better, who can do even more on the offensive side, I'll take it. That's gravy. 
I, I agree. I think he is ready to come in and play. I think he could definitely definitely impact Syracuse because, like you said, he's 6'10". He's big. He could slide in down there, play on the wings. He could also bump heads, get some rebounds inside. And then, of course, he's got those offensive capabilities. So, yeah, this is a guy that Syracuse offered, which you know they should have, perhaps a little bit too late. It's a guy they got to bring in, I think, definitely. Because they lost Brandon Huntley-Hatfield to Tennessee. Donovan Klingon, a 7-foot center, is leaning towards either Michigan or UConn. It seems like Syracuse's ventures into the world of recruiting big men, as we've seen so many times before, have not been going well. And the thing is, Filipowski's got a lot of attractive offers. It's not just Syracuse. UConn, Creighton, Georgetown, and Patrick Ewing, who's the consummate big man developer. Iowa, where Luca Garza is coming off the most successful career in college, almost in college basketball history, and also Louisville, right? Purdue, big men are flourishing at Purdue out of nowhere. And then also UCLA, who just, you know, UCLA kind of slummed it through the regular season and made a Final Four run. So there's that. Syracuse is not going to have an easy time pulling Kyle Filipowski and getting him to the hill. And there's a couple, we talk about how skilled he is offensively and stuff. There are a couple concerns from the film I did watch. At times, he looks a little bit tentative to get in there, get his hands dirty, grab some rebounds, compete on the glass. Um, so, you know, like, like every prospect, there's going to be some question marks. How well will he fit into the zone defense? He's going to have to learn it. But again, this is, this is such a talented prospect. You can't miss on this one. You have to get the offer in. You got to be calling every single day. You got to be in this guy's pocket. You got to bring him in if you're Jim Beheim. For Jim Beheim, it would be the first big man recruit since Jesse. Well, if I wouldn't consider uh, Benny Williams a big man, to be the first big man recruit in one, two, three recruiting cycles because Jesse Edwards and John Bolajac, who is now in the transfer portal, but. Jesse Edwards was Beheim's last successful big man to bring in, and it seems like Jesse Edwards is going to be a fixture on this team in the next coming years. So, Edwards, Filipowski, maybe some Kamari Lands action. Maybe maybe Kamari Lands is doing a little recruiting magic. I'll keep my fingers crossed for that. But hopefully Syracuse can pull some strings, get Filipowski on campus, and get him sold on the idea of playing basketball at Syracuse same thing for William Mohan. Who knows? On the football side, Syracuse, with that linebacking core, could be making somewhat of a resurgence next season if the defense turns up. And the big thing is the visits, Ian. you got to get these guys on campus. And I believe the dead period, which has lasted for like almost two years at this point, thanks to the coronavirus, uh, is coming to an end June 1st. So then you can start scheduling those official visits, get guys in on campus, show them what Syracuse has to offer, show them the Mellow Center, show them uh, you know, where the football team practices, show them the carry dome, the illustrious campus that is Syracuse. you got to get them in here, got to get them on those OVs. You, you just got to – you got to – you got to be annoying. That's what you got to be if you're Jim Beheim and Dino Babers. You got to be. Well, annoying. we know that Jim Beheim knows how to be annoyed by the press, and hopefully Jim Beheim can get in the ear of Filipowski and bring him to campus. That's going to do it for the five star review. But when we come back, we'll have some fizz feedback, of course, answering your guys' questions and hitting the polls. That's right after the break here on Fizz Radio. Taking you home on Fizz Radio with Fizz Feedback, everyone's favorite segment, Ian Unsworth, John Eads, with you guys wrapping it up here. 
So, John, as we always do, Fizz Feedback, three polls for the Fizz Nation, and we got some responses. So, you're going to quiz me. What was the first one? We did get some responses. We got some pretty good interactions. So here we go with number one. Which former SU defensive back is selected first in the NFL draft? Yet Andre Sisco, Trill Williams, and Ify Malafonwu. All right, I'm going to go with Sisco because he was the, the, the headliner at Syracuse. And despite the injury, he still got, you know, he still set some great records. You know, the most takeaways in college football is, is a big number. Good pick, practical pick. I mean, we looked at that mock draft and that he was the highest guy picked, but Fizz Nation thinks Ify Malafamu is going to be the first guy taken, Ian. They got 54% of the vote. Cisco had 40%, so you weren't too far off, and 6% for Trill Williams. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because the the whole stock rising thing, I guess Fizz Nation is more tapped in with the NFL than we are, John. We'll see. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, really, to see Ify go in front of Cisco. We'll, we'll see. It'll be interesting to... Uh, to see how it uh, you know, all unfolds. Here we go, number two. Was transferring to Charlotte the right move for Robert Braswell? Yes, because no playing time at SU next year. Yes, because he deserves a bigger role. No, because he had a good role at SU. Or no, because it was the wrong school choice. Okay, number two. I mean, I think his role at SU was probably the limit of his capabilities. But I'm going to say it was right for him to transfer because I don't think he would play. If Swider or Bayheim came to Syracuse, he's obviously behind them on the depth chart. And then, if Quincy Garrier comes back and Benny Williams is obviously in the fold, and Robert Braswell is looking at an uphill climb for playing time. So I think it's a fair choice by him to transfer. Fizz Nation says no because he had a good role at SU. They got 38% of the vote. No PT at Syracuse got 18%. Uh, yes, he should have transferred, or yes, it was the right move because he does deserve a bigger role, got 31%, and no, because Whoa. it was the wrong school choice, said 13%. All right, I guess I'm just not tapped in with Fizz Nation today, but a, a bigger uh, all, role, he deserves a bigger role. What? Apparently, what? Apparently. All uh, right. At, t- at Tyndall Dave said he should have stayed if he could not go to a Power 6 school. Fair point, fair point. Um, here we go, number three. Which transfer makes the biggest impact next year? Garrett Schrader, Jimmy Bayheim, Cole Swider, or other? No, re- no replies for the other. No Simir Torrance's. We, we did get <laughs> we did get one reply. Uh, <laughs> free F R E A Bird twenty four said Mike Hopkins. <laughs> okay, well I don't know if Hop's coming back to the hill anytime soon, but I'm going with. Jimmy Beheim, because why not? He's the most recent transfer, and, you know, he's Beheim's son. People are geeked about it. 0 for 3, bud. Dude. 0 for 3. Dude. <laughs> Cole Swider takes it home with 54% of the votes. Okay, I guess I can understand that. I mean, I said he was going to start, so that makes a lot of sense, I guess. I, I honestly have no clue, John. I, I've gone over. I don't think I've ever gone over 3 on a Fizz feedback, so this is an unusual circumstance. Um... But I'm glad Fizz Nation is expressing their feelings. This is great to see. Garrett Schrader was second with 32% of the votes. That'll be interesting. And then Jimmy Beheim rounded it out with 13%. Then, of course, the suggestion Mike Hopkins uh, did get actually 1% of the vote. So, nice. Interesting. Uh, thank you very much for the feedback. All you Fizz Nation followers out there, be sure to hit us up at Orange Fizz on Twitter. 
at OrangeFizz on Twitter, orangefizz.net for all the articles. That's all the time we have for this week. For John Eads, I've been Ian Unsworth saying so long. We'll catch you next time.